0: Really great interview here with Chris Lee. Very kind with his time, providing some insights into the Vanderbilt Commodore program as they head into year three under Clark Lee. And it sounds like Chris, just like Clark, anticipates a bowl season coming for them Commodores. All right, we're pleased to be joined once again by Chris Lee. You know him from Vandy Sports website, the go-to site for Vanderbilt sports information. They got the YouTube channel and they're crushing it at the southeastern 14com He also runs that. Chris, uh, when I want to talk Vanderbilt football, there's no one better than you to have on the show. So I can't thank you enough for uh, joining me once again. Hey, always a pleasure. Really appreciate you having me on. Yeah, and, and of course, Vanderbilt just wrapped up spring, third year going for uh, Coach Clark Lee. Leaps and bounds better than uh, his debut season, certainly, but... I wanted to, uh, before I kind of ask you about thoughts and what you saw from spring and everything like that, Chris. Any surprise that right out the gate, day one, Clark Lee said, "Hey, the goal is to make the postseason." Because he he seems like such a measured guy. He's not made any of these mm-hmm. bold proclamations that I've, uh, you know, really. Uh, hell, I remember when he got hired. What didn't he say something like a ten-year rebuild? Now, day one, spring, we're already talking the postseason. How big of a surprise was that for you? Mike, I
1: think that's a really astute observation because I've been around him. I've been to, I don't know, just about every spring and fall practice he's had since he's been here. I've been to the the week weekday media things. For the first two years, it was consistent. When people asked him anything related to goals and, and winning and losing, it was always basically, and these are my words and not his, Mike, it's, let's, Basically, let's be the best fan of what we could be. We're gonna judge ourselves against ourselves. And, you know, if we think at the end of the day we we gave it our best effort, then that's a victory. You said it. I mean, it was right out of the gate. And it wasn't just him saying it publicly, it was talking to assistants, hearing it from players. It was bowl game. And like, wow, suddenly we got something quantifiable. Um, you know, you've got to win six to get to a bowl game, generally speaking. And I, I think that was a I think that's telling. I think that's very telling about the hand they think they have. I think when the shift is just like that from from something not quantifiable to something that is, I think that tells you a lot about where they think their program is.
0: So based on just what you saw in the spring, do you think that is an attainable goal for year 3 under Clark Lee? Yeah, well, Mike, they got some issues for sure, and we can get to some of those if you
1: like, but yeah, I mean I've watched them and I think they've got a lot of places where they haven't had necessarily SCC players where it looks a lot closer to SEC players. Now look, it might be, you know, closer to Missouri and South Carolina's SCC players than it is Georgia's and Alabama's, but that's a big leap for them in a lot of places. And particularly on the defensive line is one place I noticed it. Um they've got a very competitive quarterback room. AJ Swan's gonna win that job, but they got three guys behind him that I think that can play at, at various levels of you know, a, a performance. No Walter Taylor, therefore, that, that could be interesting if he had to play. He's got a strong arm. He's an athlete, but he's also making some some bad throws. But point is, how many times have you looked at Vanderbilt and said, hey, I can see some things in the number 4 quarterback that, that might be playable down the line? Uh, it, it feels like a little bit of a different day when I watch them in practice.
0: And particularly, I have to imagine – that's on the defensive side of the ball because that's that's what I've kind of picked up. Um, you know, the, the spring game, its you can never read too much into those things, but certainly they look faster. They look more aggressive. They were getting to the quarterback. And this is kind of what I thought we were getting when we hired Clark Lee. And I understand complete rebuild he had to do, but the, the defense was just atrocious the last two years yeah. in, in spots. Do you, Are you seeing that they'll take a step forward on that side of the ball?
1: Yeah, I'm worried about their secondary. I'm still not really convinced they can cover SEC-level receivers, but they're going to have something they've not had, and that's some guys that can get to the quarterback without having to to send pressure from corner blitzes or safety blitzes or a linebacker up the middle. I feel like they've got some dudes up front now that might – if not get to the pass or get a little bit closer and get the ball out a little faster, well, that makes a world of difference when you're not having to cover for six seconds on the back end. So I I don't know their their secondary, maybe their talent isn't a lot better there. I, I think it'll be a little bit better just as freshmen become sophomores and, and those guys get on the field. I think you probably will see improvement by year's end, but even if you don't, I just think what they can do up front now, and again, is it a top half of the SEC defensive line? I'm not going to go there yet, but I think they've cut the gap quickly with the with the levels of size and athleticism, and I think that will help make a difference.
0: Now, you've already referenced uh, quarterback A.J. Swan. He was a true freshman last season, Chris, and I don't think they did him any favors because, uh, I mean, here's his first starts at Bama, Ole Miss, which was undefeated at the top time. I, I think they were top ten at that time at Georgia, at Missouri, which Missouri, which obviously, you know, you watch that game, I mean, they had a really, really good defense, probably the most underrated defense in the SEC. Uh, but I think the last time I had you on the show, Chris, you said, this is a guy to know, you know, he's got a big-time arm. I, I think you compared him to a young Jay Cutler, maybe the most arm talent you've, you've seen at Vanderbilt since that time. Um, has he taken that next step? Because I'm – Considering the schedule, considering he was a true freshman, mm-hmm. I thought he was outstanding last year. Well, you missed one game because the first start he got was
1: Northern Illinois, and and this mm. is just from memory. I, I think they went up there, and and this was when people thought Northern Illinois had a decent team. It didn't really turn out that way. I think I want to say he threw four touchdowns and no picks, and and so he got to, to got his feet wet in something other than a Georgia-Alabama situation, which I think was was smart. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that, look, at times they were just overmatched by other defensive lines, by secondaries, and and there wasn't much chance for him to show. But I stand by what I said. I think that, you know, and look, if, if A.J. Swann had hit the portal, I think you'd have seen a lot of big-name teams come calling him. I, I do – you know me, Mike. I, I don't like to throw out comparisons recklessly or, or crazy, but I, I do see a lot of Cutler-like attributes in him. Now, is he going to end up being a guy that, that starts – 10, 12 years in, in the NFL. If I had to take the over-under on that, I would take the under. But point is, I, I do think he's a very talented kid, and I'll be interested in seeing how he does against a schedule uh, that, that's more conducive to winning than it was a year ago.
0: Now, one guy that uh, really stood out to me in the spring game, Chris, was uh, the, the tre- freshman running back, Cedric Alexander. Uh, but was that a one-off, or is that something that uh, you know you saw and you're hearing buzz about in the spring, that uh, he could be an instant impact player for the Commodores? One-off would probably be a little strong. I'd put it this way. I I wasn't super
1: impressed with their running back group, which was really thin coming into the fall. And and two kids that they're going to count on are still in high school. Um, They don't have much in the way of returning players. It's Patrick Smith, who I thought regressed last year in in a bad way and and didn't look great this spring. Alexander had been coming on a little bit the last week, but I thought the spring game, was probably his best showcase, so maybe you're looking at a guy that's on an upward trajectory and it takes a couple steps. That room as it stands right now is not really strong. I think you've got to have some reservations if you're putting true freshmen in. There's a lot more to do in the SEC other than just run the football. It's it's pass protect. It's it, it's catch the ball. It's a lot of things kids aren't asked to do in the high school. So that's not really a place you want to be. Maybe if you're Georgia and Alabama and you're getting that kind of talent, you can handle it. Uh, So I think it's going to be a question for Vanderbilt in that offense, but certainly I think that what Cedric Alexander did in that game uh, was the continuation of of what had been a pretty, well, let's say a much better last week.
0: How big of a concern is the kicking game? Because, you know, let's just, safe assumption, Vanderbilt's going to be in a lot of close games, particularly in SEC play, and you can't have a glaring hole at uh kicker especially they missed several kicks including an extra point in that spring game uh joseph joseph bovalis was i thought he was great the last couple years he's obviously off the roster now how big of a concern is that for the Commodores?
1: Well, if you want to include the punning game in that, um, they've got one of the best in the country returning in Matt Hayball. I don't know that he looked terrific in the in the spring game. They were playing on a wet field uh, that was a little cross field, and I think the footing was a little treacherous. And I, I don't think you saw as much out of Matt as you will. Uh, the, the field goal part. Funny thing is, Mike, for probably a month of fall camp, one of the one of the things we talked about as beat guys there was how good Will Ferris had been. I don't think I think he showed us some levels that we didn't know he had. Uh, I'm not saying he could kick a, a 50 yard field goal in a game, but I'm, I'm not sure he couldn't either. And then the last week it just started to go sideways, and you saw it in the spring game. He just wasn't very good. They've got Brock Taylor, a kid from Knoxville, who is one of the better regarded kickers in the country. I don't pay a lot of attention to recruiting kickers. Um, <laughs> but it, it, you just don't know till they get and look. And, and I'll give you an example, right? Nick Saban, who is and and Bobby Bowden before him, two guys that were at the top of their profession. Nick Saban doesn't ever leave a stone unturned. How many times right. has Alabama missed on a kicker? So if Alabama's going to miss on a kicker, I- I'm going to say it's safe to say that Vanderbilt could, but it might not either. So I just don't think we know till Brock Taylor gets to campus this fall. But, yeah, that was one thing that, that went sideways pretty quickly in the last week or two was their field goal kicking, and and you saw it on TV on Saturday night.
0: What would you say, Chris, was the biggest question that you had about this, this team, this roster that you think got resolved in spring? Um
1: I'll probably go defensive line. I, I just wasn't sure about health of some guys, Davion Davis, Devin Lee. I would say Isha Otara, the the German kid, like if, if you watched him, you probably couldn't miss him. He wears ninety eight, he's about six foot seven, three bills plus, tremendously athletic. Uh, but he's literally from Germany and he came to the states and he's learning to play football and and if you watch his high school football film, you'll get a laugh because it looks like he's playing it's me and you and and you think <laughs> I'm kidding and then you watch it and I'm really not. Um, but but he like he's a mega talent, right? But there's a long way to go between talented and being able to play in the SEC. It felt like some of the dots started to connect for him. Uh, I, I feel like they left the spring with maybe eight or nine guys. I don't know if there's a superstar in there. Darren Agu would be another one that they moved from that, uh, what do they call it, the the star position to just true defensive end where he's going to be a straight-up end. But he showed some ability to get the pass rush that way. Again, I I talked about the secondary and how that's going to make a difference. I just thought, to me, they got healthy on the defensive line and some young kids took a step up, and you put all that together. That's the group, to me, that I I think – where I was with them and where I was coming out of practice might have been the biggest difference.
0: So similar question, but what is maybe the biggest, uh, a big question you had for the roster that exiting the spring you essentially got no clarity on, do you think?
1: Oh, I would say secondaries where I'm, I'm still having the questions. They, they signed a class last year, this time a year ago, of, I don't know, they signed five or six guys that, that probably could play corner. They're more athletic than what they've got generally, but I mean, you see a lot of kids in it. I mean, first round corners in the NFL that is, is freshmen are just awful. And so, I, I was thinking some of these guys would come in a year ago because they weren't very good in the secondary. I thought somebody would seize his spot and 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 play and take their lumps. But it'd be one of those, okay, this is a freshman becoming a sophomore situation, and he took his lumps in twenty twenty two. Well, that never happened. So I'm going to the spring going, well, you know, let, let's see if one of these freshmen jumps up and, and takes a job. Uh, I say freshmen, there will be sophomores next year or shirt freshmen. Well, that that didn't really happen either. They ended the fall. Well, I, I take that back. Uh, Jadais Richard, who was a safety a year ago, is, is now a corner uh, and was a safety in high school. So they, they do have one of those young guys that took a job. But B.J. Anderson exited the spring as their other corner. He didn't play in the spring game because of – Injury or load maintenance, or however they're going to term it, I just really wanted to see a, a, Gumbo Gaskins or a Trudell Berry or somebody like that really take a big step up. I'm not saying those kids didn't make plays; it won't be a factor, but the the, the where the where they left and what I was maybe hoping to see for them uh, d- didn't quite get there.
0: You know, I have to ask you about transfer portal because that's all anybody wants to talk about. We're days away from the second portal mm-hmm. window coming open. Uh, I saw Vandy Sports, you put out a video, Clark Lee was asked about it and essentially said, well, we're at 85, so I, they may not even have the numbers to do such a thing. But let me ask you this, Chris. Um, thoughts on Vanderbilt and how they approach the transfer portal? Uh, I believe they only brought in one guy. Um, is that something that they're, that they're just not going to utilize at all? Because I, it, it certainly seems like – I heard the comments too, Clark Lee said, you know, we're not going to be a transactional program. Well, that's nice, yeah. but – I mean, this is a transactional sport. So, I mean, can, can you even su- survive with that type of uh, philosophy? Man, that, that's a great
1: question. I think you're asking maybe the most important question around the program um, because I, I think that they're going to try to build culture first. And, and that is – sometimes it feels like it's swimming upstream given the numbers being thrown around and, and the, the money these kids are getting. But you're also seeing some of these deals fall apart. I mean, you saw it at Florida last year with with the quarterback situation. Sometimes you see these teams that have allegedly bought, you know, paid a lot of money for these kids, and it doesn't always work out at the end. And I'm I'm looking at College Station for that one. You know, I'm looking at at a Florida team where Florida came to town last year, a two touchdown favorite. And I'm not saying Florida had chemistry issues or anything, but I looked at that one on paper and I said, Florida ought to win this game today. It's it's I thought it was a talent mismatch. Vanderbilt pulled an upset. The, the point I'm making here is I, I think if you build a program with with chemistry and without distractions, I think there's more to that than people think. And again, you you can start to name the places where you started to see that fall apart last year. I, I think Clark's on to something. Now, look, you do have to. It's it's a Jimmy's and Joe's league, right? That's all nice to say. Uh, And you saw spots, Georgia and and, and Alabama last year, where in a lot of cases they just couldn't hang talent-wise. But you also saw building chemistry, building teams, building guys that have been there three or four years that don't have problems. And you can see it when you're around that program. The, the, The chemistry vibes and everything are off the charts. And at Vanderbilt, you're never going to beat Georgia and Alabama beat Georgia and Alabama. You've got to go about it another way. You saw him plug a hole in the portal. And the Aeneas DeCosmo kid, who's probably going to start at them for that pass rush position, I think they'll look to add guys strategically. Tight end's a place where they could use some depth and experience. We talked about maybe running back, perhaps kicker. Uh, you could always use another body on the offensive or defensive line. I, I think they'll, they'll take their swings in places, but it's going to be with kids who can do the work and won't cause a distraction. I've heard people say this a lot of times that, you know, somebody else's transfer was was their problem and you got to be careful about inheriting those and, and that's the bargain that he's tried to make with all this and I think frankly last year was a little bit of evidence that he might be onto to something
0: well and speaking of that Chris I mean it, it certainly seems like under Clark Lee Vanderbilt plays better at the end of the season than they are at the beginning and and given the I don't want there's no such thing as an easy schedule in college football but Commodore's early schedule is fairly you could see some wins racked up particularly that first month um, it, d- does that give you hope that uh, once again that uh, if they finish even stronger than they start that Vanderbilt will make the postseason as, as Clark Lee has outlined as a clear goal this year
1: yeah and excuse me as I, I, I look off the screen I'm, I'm reading the schedule uh, just so I make sure I get this right that they open with Hawaii which they beat what 63-10 to 10 or whatever that was a year ago. Uh, Timmy Chang is a year behind Clark Lee on building his program. That's one in Nashville you would think that they should win. Uh, week number two, Alabama AM. Again, another game that, that feels like a built-in win. Week three, I think this is a big one. They go to Wake Forest, but Wake Forest lost Sam Hartman. I want to say, and I'd have to look at it, a lot of those kids, because Wake and Dave Clawson had just built that program on kids in that program for four, five, six years. I think a lot of their most experienced guys are gone. I'd have to look at that. That's one they. I felt like they played weight with Wake weight for about three quarters a year ago. Hartman was a difference. Feels like that's one they got a shot in. At UNLV, another one where you got a coaching change. It's on the road. It's not going to be in a super hostile environment, although Vegas in, in late September will be fiery hot. But, but they're used to that. They're going to practice in that in August with some immunity that they don't have there here. Uh, so th- those are four games that all seem very winnable. Then they play Kentucky. Well, they beat Kentucky and Lexington a year ago. I, I would think that you would have to think they can be competitive in that one. Next up, uh, Missouri. They went down to the final two minutes with Missouri. If they can make a first down on the other side of midfield, they might win that game. didn't, but it was point is it was close enough. Next week at Florida. Again, would, would seem like a little bit of a talent mismatch uh, but with most Florida teams, but they won that one a year ago. Uh, and I don't know that Florida is going to be predicted to win the East by anybody. So that's seven games off the bat where well, you feel like they've got a puncher's chance. No, they're going to go 7-0. No, they're not. But could they win five of those or maybe even six if it goes really well? Sure they could, based on what you saw a year ago. Now then, it's it's Georgia – at Ole Miss and some of those other games, it gets a little tougher. But I think the way this schedule sets up this year, um, I can't help but think that's some of the reason you heard the Bull talk.
0: All right, final question for you, Chris. Really appreciate all your time. But uh, I got to ask you, this is like an annual Vanderbilt question. What's the latest on uh, the facility upgrades and everything like that? Because uh, certainly they, they didn't play the, the spring game at Vanderbilt Stadium. So I have to imagine that's somewhat progressing. Well, usually saying something looks like a war zone
1: is is not a, a complimentary thing, but I think for Vanderbilt it is. Um, <laughs> the reason they couldn't play, as you said, is because there's you know there's a lot of piles of bricks and drywall and stuff sitting behind their stadium. They're they're taking the first wrecking balls to things and knocking stuff down. Um, by the fall, I think they're going to have a big open hole in the closed end zone of the stadium, which would be really weird to watch. Um also will mean less visiting fans in there probably too. Um, yeah, I mean it's they're they're gonna be, I think it's twenty twenty five before they're done. And and I'm not gonna say it's gonna be AM or Alabama or Georgia, but they're spending well over three hundred million dollars, probably closer to four hundred million and maybe over that by the time they're done with inflation. Uh now some of that won't touch football, but most of it will. The open end zone's gonna have one of the biggest and nicest basketball practice facilities. In the country inside it for men and women going to be two decks of practice facilities there's going to be some premium seating on the outside and some other stuff that other end zone they're gonna have a football building like other schools have like mississippi state's got uh, i think missouri's got now it's going to look a lot more like that so the end zones are going to look a lot different i, I think they're going to upgrade some of the seating but don't don't quote me on that one i could be wrong um and across the street, I don't know if you've been to campus in a while, McGugan Center is where their athletic complex is. That's going to get torn apart and built up. And then behind McGugan is where their practice facilities are. They're going to build a new indoor facility, uh, the one they go to currently. When they have a weather event, they got to drag a bunch of stuff, maybe you know six or 700 yards, and that's a, that's a pain. Mm-hmm. Where they will build the new one, they'll have to drag it a few yards, and it'll be right there. Um, and that'll be right behind McGugan and, and their locker rooms there. So they're going to have a lot of the stuff they need. Again, it won't be the biggest and, and the best and the brightest, but it's going to be light years better than what they have, and I think it's going to be a pretty venue. But, yeah, you started to see the, the signs of progress and in, in the, in the debris scattered all over the place, um, and that's why they played their spring game at the Cross stadium is it just wasn't available to, to play on.
0: Well, So it kind of mimics uh... – The job Clark Lee's doing is slowly but surely getting better and better. But, uh, Chris, I can't thank you enough for your time. Before you go, can you tell the audience where's the best place to find all your work?
1: Yeah, if if you like the Vandy stuff, you can go to VandySports.com. We give a pretty comprehensive rundown of what's going on in football, baseball, and basketball. And then we're doing some SEC stuff, much like you. We're doing baseball, football, basketball pretty much year-round. Right now, if you're interested in baseball, I'm doing baseball content almost every day, and it's usually 10 to 15 minutes. So if as an SEC fan, you just want to get a bird's eye view of what's going on. Um, I think we ride stuff nobody else is doing. So I'm a busy man between trying to follow the league and, and a team, but it's been a lot of fun and a lot of hard work. And I, I think if people like your stuff, there's a, there's a chance they'll like ours too.
0: Absolutely. Thanks again, Chris. I really appreciate it. Anytime, Mike. Thank you. All right, so just want to say thanks again, Chris, for joining the show. Really appreciate the time he gave and the insight there. Go check out his work. He's killing it at Vandy Sports. And like he says, if you love this show and, hell, you're here, you must, go check out his other channel, Southeastern 14. They got a YouTube page. They're doing some of the similar stuff we're doing, and they're absolutely killing it over there. So go check out all the fine work they're doing. When you're done with this show, go check that out people helping people that's powerful stuff right there but hey that's all i got on this episode of the show like i said we got two more shows planned we got spring games galore this weekend i got more guests lined up i'm gonna try to do a i'm gonna try to do a youtube live for the first time to recap some of these spring games saturday night so be on the lookout for that don't forget don't drink too many beers and forget about that one i'm sure i'll be pushing it on all our social media channels but Hey, that's all I got on this episode of the show. I do appreciate each and every one of you for sticking through the off season with us here. We're trying to make it as pleasant as possible, considering we're in the, the offseason here. We don't really believe in the offseason on this show. But uh, I can't thank, thank each and every one of you enough for sticking it out. But look at me. I'm starting to ramble like shade. So that's going to do it for this episode of the show. We'll catch you on the next one.